Someone take a fucking picture of how we just did this MacGyver shit This is here. magic right now. <laughs> okay. My headset is going into Sean's computer, but Sean is using my phone, but Eddie's using another computer, but somehow we all got this all set up perfectly to get <laughs> Brandon's voice. Here's my problem is I don't have my computer with the uh, <laughs> with he the has, plot. Yes, the acapella. Let's God. See Let's see the acapella. Oh, it's holding up the other phone. So that. How? Oh, what do I have? Like five phones? Well, you have two laptops Where's and two phones. IPad? Where's your iPad? Hold on, I gotta put up this other computer. Yeah. That I have. Oh my god! <laughs> this is fucking crazy. I realized the costume I want for Halloween is Hannibal's face. Brandon. Are you gonna do? Are you gonna do an Elector voice? Are you I gonna am. do a Hannibal voice? I am going to try. What do you want me to do, Jeremiah? I don't know, but would you? Would you me? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the one we're going. I would work. fuck me. Oh my god! <laughs> Welcome to Three and a Half Gentlemen, the podcast where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies from our private collections and one of us tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide. It really sounds like a Scooby-Doo villain. For now, my name is Sean <laughs> and with me are my co-hosts, Jeremiah. It rubs the lotion on the skin or else it gets the hose again. Eddie. Hello, Clarice. And Brandon. Listen, your your voice sucks at this. This season, we're shaking things up. Put a bit. the lotion on, Brandon. <laughs> We've decided that each host <laughs> will pick a film from each decade, from the seventies to today, that exemplifies each time period. Some of the films will be underrated, some classics, while others will be overrated piles of cinematic crap. To finish off each decade, the hosts will have a group pick that is sure to delight. As with every episode, we give our goal is to answer one simple question: How many drinks does it take to get through each? film that we've just watched at the end of the podcast we'll rate the movie based on a scale of zero to five zero being the perfect film that you can watch stone cold sober and five being a terrible film that makes you tuck your junk between your thighs and oh. dance like someone wants to fuck you oh my god wait <laughs> let me ask you something no one didn't do that no you know? nobody did that everybody in addition to our view we always their, pair no a selection one? with a cocktail that we hope will enhance the viewing experience <laughs> this season we want yeah, to focus a little more on the cocktail <laughs> selection so please feel free to shake stir or mix the cocktail that we've chosen and settle in for what we hope will be an engaging review with that what movie are we reviewing tonight brandon hey brandon wait before you start no yeah. one you guys never used to tuck your shit in you know and dance around or something i did not dance around no well if you danced around then literally you should be named wild i didn't dance, <laughs> I, I never danced around it only happened when well i'm not gonna say dance shit. around have you guys seen like butterflies and moths around? Something's going on. Brandon, happened, take us through the it movie. It only happened when I was taking a shit, and I was it's like, death oh, "How's moth. it look like from here?" He's got enough tattoos. Where's the death head moth tattoo? That's all I'm saying. Anyway, tonight we have our fourth entry of our '90s film series, which is going to be the Academy Award-winning *Silence of the Lambs* from 1991. This Anthony Hopkins. Shut up, Ed. This Anthony Hopkins triumph is rated an 8.6 on IMDb, has a critic score of 96 percent and an audience score of 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And it is ranked 74th of AFI's 100 Movies, 100 Years list. Jodie Foster stars as Clarice Starling. 
Hello, a top Clarice. student at the FBI's training academy, also known as Quantico, also known as a disappointing as shit movie, ah, t- show, TV show. show, bad show, 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 not, show, not, not a movie. Not not a movie. movie. <laughs> anyway, Jack Crawford, played by the one and only Scott Glenn, wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, played by Anthony yes, Hopkins, yes. who is a Anthony brilliant Hopkins. psychiatrist. Shut up, Eddie. Who is also a me, violent asshole. psychopath. <laughs> Shut up, Eddie. That wasn't me, asshole. <laughs> Fuck off, dude. Anyway, um, he is serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. But Crawford, innocent. Shut up, Ed. But Crawford believes that Lecter may have some insight into a case and that Starling as an attractive young woman may just be the bait to draw him out. Which, by the way, he's right. Jeremiah, why don't you take us through our first impressions? Mm, before we get into our cocktail selection, we need to talk about whose film this is. And additionally, what our initial impressions of the movie were before sitting down to watch it. Since this is my film, I will go first. And again, I apologize for, I could say, switching the movie the very last minute. For the 50th time, yes. I have second, a fucking dude. habit, dude. I got a problem here. I want to watch wait, every wait, fucking t- movie t- here. Out, real quick, real quick. Jared, how many movies in the 90s was this for you? Because originally it was supposed to be Dazed and Confused. Yes. <laughs> this is at least the-, the sixth movie choice in the 90s. And then it was Titanic. <laughs> and then I was going to go with The Crow. And then I was going to go with Forrest Gump. <laughs> But then I'm like, hey, we're going to be in the Halloween time and whatnot. <laughs> Why don't we just do Silence of the Lambs? Well, you know what What I'm really happy about? I'm just going to say this right now and get it out of the way. I'm just happy that we already did Point Break two years ago. So that we <laughs> had so lucky. Had to have that one now, <laughs> right? Dodge the garden um, no matter what, let's just start with our first impressions. Okay. Jeremiah, first impression, give me your up, first Sean. impression of this movie. The first impression, I remember like this was the movie that my our mother like forbid us to watch. <laughs> we were not allowed to watch this. And then, you know, you go to your best friend's house, Eric, and he's like, you got a legal cable. I'm like, hey, do you want to see this? Let's do That's it. That's what you guys choose to watch. Yeah. And this so, was like an HBO, The Deuce. <laughs> this was like on a special HBO Deuce. And so I remember seeing it, and I remember like terrify the shit out of me. Just things that would just keep for the rest of your life and whatnot. So that was my first impression. It literally scared the shit out of me when I was a little kid. Eddie, what did you think of this movie? I also remember that when my, you know, our mom was just like, hey, you can't watch this movie. I was just like, why? And she's like, well, you can't watch this scene, at least, at least these two scenes. And one of the scenes was tucking in. Like, she didn't want me to watch that scene. I don't know why. But I remember. She wanted to give you ideas. I, I, really? I was just like, first off, it has to be long enough to tuck it in. Mom, don't worry about that. So the other thing, I mean, I was like, what, like eight? I don't know. It was 91, so I was seriously 11. No. I feel I like was Eddie six. was more of a crying game kind of guy. <laughs> Brandon, what was your so first I, impression? First impression, I was just like, uh, let's actually watch this movie for the first time. <laughs> oh, Brandon. God. Okay, first impression for me, I have wanted to see this movie for forever. Wait, have you seen it before today? I have never seen this movie up until last night. Oh my goodness! So, okay, um, I, it had, I, I have had the DVD for probably six years and have just not gotten around to it mainly because I have a, a kid that's six years old. Uh, um, but finally, thanks to Jeremiah, uh, I had to break that 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 disc out of the, the box and uh, blah 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 and just throw that thing in and enjoy the hell out of it. So um, we'll get to what I thought of it. But okay. Uh, so the first time I saw this movie, I thought it was going to be like super creepy. I thought I, I was really looking forward to a horror movie and it was not a horror movie. It was more of a suspenseful, creepy fucking movie with yeah, Anthony Hopkins, one of my questions one to you. of the greatest actors of all time. Uh, I was expecting something like 
gory and and very 90s. I was expecting like overt gore. And to me, it didn't really give you that. It, it I was expecting this like bloody horrible movie and it actually was a it was more I mean, I'll get into my review later, but it was more of a psychological thriller, I think, than a a, a what I was expecting in a horror, gothic-y, like, blood and guts movie. I agree with you that, on yeah. Sean, but I never seen someone eat someone's face. And I was like, fuck, you know? <laughs> but if you, that was pretty fucking crazy, man. Like, if you made it right now, it would be, like, so fucking saw out. No, I understand. Yeah. So, Eddie, why don't you take us through the cocktail selection before we get into the movie? Shoot. Hold on, where's my part? It's literally in front There's of Eddie that. again coming up uh, as <laughs> Brendan. Hey, where are you just, at? Just oh, like wait, a Halloween you're not over there at your chair. Where again. are you? We literally have your chair, by the way. We have a chair like, if you're the cutest yeah. thing in the it's world. It's really sad. This is it's, the first we have a mic there, that there too. Brandon yeah. not I'm looking over there to like touch shit at you. I'm like, hey, Brandon. Oh, wait, you're not there. They're in spirit, they're in voice. So, as we mentioned with each movie, we try to pair the tone, fill, and overall impact of the story with a cocktail. This season, we really wanted to stress the cocktail and more and how it leads up with the movie's selection. Everyone who listens knows by now that when we finally watch a Bond movie... Which we are in the... We're so close. So close. Nope, 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 nope. I cannot wait for the world to end and we never get to lemon pill. (laughs) I really want to try this drink one time. But tonight's cocktail was chosen by Jeremiah, so I'll be talking... (laughs) He will be talking through us by the cocktail. Tonight, we have the Hello, Clarice. The drink was... Inspired by the iconic line that drove fear into the hearts of every watcher and consists of Contro, rye whiskey, lemon juice, bitters, and a nice Chianti float. Right. So we enjoy this. of Chianti. Oh, it's a float of Chianti. He says it Chianti, which I love. We will be enjoying this cocktail with a liver and a nice review. <laughs> Thank you very much. You told me this was just regular state, Sean. <laughs> Let's drink up. Here, hey, cheers, John. Hey, across the USA, drink up. Clink. Clink. Okay. Oh, I just want to choose one's face off. Okay. I'm not a fan of rye whiskey. This is not good. uh, This is not a good cocktail. (laughs) So we probably should warn you that it's not good. Don't drink it. We haven't had a good drink since it. That's not true. We've had a couple of good drinks since it. This no, your drink for uh, the shiny was fantastic. Uh, Awesome. Awesome. It was, it was pretty good. It's it's right. It's too whiskey. The, the whiskey is fine. It's something else. It's got. It makes orange. you want to put it's the just, lotion on again. Bitters. It's trying to do What's too this much. What's coin t- Tierra? It's first of all, it's Contro. There's a wa- There's an I in there. Contro is how point, it's spelled. It's called Contro, bro. <laughs> it's French. Contra. It's just not. It's not great. So, hey, did you know this movie was released on Valentine's Day? No, I did not. know That's that. such a cute thing. Like, hey, you want to watch something about you know cannibalism for your you know? about Oh, the so you 90s you were shipping the two of them too, <laughs> Clarice and Heck and Lecter. Okay, I think when we start this review, we've got to start with Clarice because. They just did a TV show that kind of failed about Clarice. Clarice had uh, the sequel Hannibal. This idea of the character of Clarice, Clarice excuse me, being this be-all, end-all to serial killer hunter, to me, that's where the movie broke down a little bit because I thought, uh, I thought that uh, 
Jodie Foster was really good at her role, but at the end of the day, my problem with her was that she was kind of all over the place. She didn't have a significant, solidified character that she ran through the movie with. Oh, she was. A Listen, rookie. you're you're wrong, um, and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Because I think what she did, is, yeah, she's a rookie, and she is so out of her league that I I do think that Foster played that doe-eyed, have no idea who she is and what she should do moment so well i think that one of the times that we actually see that the most is when um when they go to the funeral home and she just kind of kicks all the, the cops out of there like she wants to apologize right after she says it because she doesn't know what is the right thing for her to do or, or not so i do think that it's it's intentional even though i think you're right that, that it was all over the the map i also think that she never really saw like a dead body i mean you see how like how she saw she was, I don't know maybe she has but it's like she hasn't seen many of them and so she was almost fatuated with that at that same spot when she kicked the, the uh, police officers out of that uh, mortuary she also like saw a bed, dead body and she like instantly went back to like her father when he was at yeah. uh, you know the mortuary I, I will say I'm also a little jaded by all the other movies that have come after this movie. So we've got Hannibal that was a direct sequel to this movie, Hannibal Rising, which was technically a prequel. And then what I think is the best entry into the Hannibal Lecter movies, which is Red Dragon. And that was kind of a, I guess, a prequel in that Will Graham is the person who found Hannibal Lecter and incarcerated him Jack in the beginning. So you're you're actually well, again we're just having a tough time. We are li- we're missing out on the most important one, which Man is Manhunter. Which is Brian, uh, Brian freaking Cox. <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of people don't <laughs> know, but Brian Cox was the original Hannibal Lecter in the Manhunter film directed by Michael Mann in back in '86. Actually, is it and good? You, is it is it a good movie? Podcast, it's pretty freaking hardcore. Know. Well, everyone loves Brian Cox, Brandon. Don't so when Manhunter was released, then Eddie just loves Sons of Lance came out in the late '80s and it became like a huge, huge, like you know, one of those best booksellers. And actually, Gene Hackman actually required the rights, and he was going to actually like star and direct it. They were going to get Michelle Pfeiffer to actually you know star in it, but she was asking for way too much money. And Jodie Foster was like you know found out about this and she wanted this. And I actually think Jodie Foster did really, really amazing. Jodie Foster is adorable. Like. I think she was seriously influenced a whole generation of female detectives, you know, like a strong female character. No, no. Well, I don't know about Manhunter because I've never seen it, but I know that Red Dragon was basically the events that led to Hannibal Lecter becoming incarcerated for Sons of the Lambs. Is Anthony Hopkins in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, and and Edward Norton is Will Graham. So he is the one who caught Anthony Hopkins and incarcerated him to be interviewed by Jodie Foster in the events of Silence of the Lambs. And and I know that we shouldn't be drawing on other movies from the universe, but at the same time, I think it's important because you have Philip Seymour Hoffman, you have Ray Fiennes, you have Edward Norton in this great movie called Red Dragon that basically preceded Silence of the Lambs, where I think... Jodie Foster did not adequately engage with Hannibal Lecter in a way that like Edward Norton did. And that's that's where I got caught up in the movie is that I didn't feel like Lecter was giving 
Jodie Foster or Clarice Starling the information based on the questions that she was asking, but rather the fact that she was a woman in this uncomfortable situation. No, I think it was because she, she wasn't, it's not because she was a woman. I think it's because she had so much baggage that she allowed him to psychoanalyze somebody else finally after a long time. And he, he was able to get something he wanted, which was just that story about the lambs because it was somebody who was hiding something and he was able to bring that out of her. And I think he saw that right from the get-go is that she is there. There's more to her than meets the eye because everybody he's seen up until that point, um, Chilton probably more than anybody else, they're, they're right out front with him. They, they straight up say, hey, this is who I am and I hate, uh, I hate you. So I think I think we need to identify the character of Chilton and understand kind of where he's coming from. So Brandon, you touched on that. Why don't you kind of jump on that? Yeah. So we got Chilton, and he's the uh, the head psychiatrist, I guess, of the um, the the place for the criminally insane. Yeah, the prison, the crazy person prison. prison. Um, But I mean, the thing that well, luckily he is going to be eaten uh, by a friend. At the end of the movie, so that was pretty cool. With some but, fava beans. And well, we nice don't know if he's going to have. He might have pinto tea. beans with this one, or garbanzo <laughs> beans. beans. Not really sure. Um, Probably chili beans. But no, I think that Chilton was really. <laughs> it's, it's shut up, Ed. Uh, it's important <laughs> to look at Chilton because Chilton, I think, has been his only, been Lecter's only main, you know, um, conversation piece. And Chilton has gone out of his way to show that he hates Lecter. That he's done nothing but been an asshole to Lecter, and then you have this really, yeah. yeah. Then you've got this really timid person who is broken, and and Hannibal Lecter is able to to basically do what he likes the most, which is to so that's my get question. inside no. somebody's so, head. So, so that's my question: is is Hannibal Lecter an amazing psychiatrist or psychologist, whatever you want to call him? the person who infiltrates the mind and forces people to do what he wants them to do. He's a good no, because he doesn't... He, uh, go ahead, Jer. No, he's, he, he, in general, he's a good guy. He's just a fucking psychopath, you know? Yeah, because he, he got Miggs to kill himself because Miggs was a jerk to Clarice. Yeah, I mean, that, was, that seemed to Which fuck. Is I don't, I don't intense. like this word, but I'm going to use it. So when he asked about how her cunt smells, it's like that is a deeply cut insult right so it's like it gets to the heart of who Clarice we're is we're talking about the first meeting I'm talking about Biggs yeah. Biggs was Miggs 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 yeah. sorry Miggs was to me <clears throat> and maybe I'm wrong but it was the guy next to Lecter in yeah, the he cell is, and he is everything that Lecter isn't right he's more graphic more disgusting I, I feel like Heck, uh, Hannibal Lecter is a more refined intellectual <laughs> I actually more intellectual serial killer than like Miggs is I actually think that Hannibal Lecter for the first time found someone that he was really interested in with uh, uh, with Starling and also just like you know saw something different than most what he's ever seen before yeah. I mean you, you guys you know you guys kind of think he was kind of taking advantage he was giving hints throughout the whole movie how he can actually help you catch Buffalo Bill. Well, his anagrams were phenomenal. Phenomenal. His his concepts were definitely cut to the heart of who Buffalo Bill was. So yes. I, I agree with you there. 
But at the same time, I felt like he was toying with Clarice. No, I think she was. I honestly think he was trying to make her figure this stuff out to actually yeah. educate. He knew that she was smart enough yeah. to do it. And he yeah. wanted to push her to become her best, which is weird. And because I, I, I love the ending um, when she is talking to her friend. Right. And she's like, oh, my God, Lecter's free. And she's, she's, Clarice is like, he's not going to come after me. Yeah. We're done. Respect. It's almost like it's, 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 like, it's like a respect. Knew, it's right. Respect. Yeah. yeah. Like, and he, can you see that with that phone call at the so very end? He goes after people who are arrogant and who think are way smarter than he is. He says that the world is a better place with you in it. He, he there's something about her that he sees a different light. And, yeah, during, and he means, yeah, yeah. And you see, like you know, during the movie when he was talking about, um, you know, his drawings and whatnot, and he's talking about, like, oh, his sketch of the roof of the Belvedere or whatever that thing is. He literally told where Buffalo Bill is because Buffalo Bill's hometown or home place was Belvedere, Ohio. He was explaining, he was, like, giving her hints for her to figure this stuff out. See, and that's the thing about the movie that I really appreciated was that if you look at, like, I've seen this movie probably ten times, right? I've loved this movie... I've loved this movie 10 times, but this, this viewing for the podcast, I actually delved deep into what the movie was. And I found that Clarice was given these hints by Lecter that were independent of what the actual verbiage was. So his anagrams, his, his subtext was more important than actually what, he told her and that to me was super interesting because I had not caught that the couple of first times, three times, four times that I've watched the movie. I saw it this time. I love that the fact that he, when you, the first meeting, it's almost like he was trying to do like this alpha, like, you know, he had her sit down and he was standing up and everything, you know, he was trying to show dominance, power and whatnot. And he kind of puts a jab and goes almost tells her, like, I feel sorry for you. You know what I'm saying? I feel sorry for you because the way how you grew up and how you're trying to hide this, who you are and everything like that. And pretty much belittles her to the point where she actually goes back against him. And then you see him calling her back like, hey, do you really want to actually have my help? Like he brings her back in because he actually I feel like she passed the first test between their first, you know, interaction with each other. So, I I mean, I want to talk a little bit, too, about Demi, um, the director, and the way that he staged, uh, well, pretty much all of Hannibal's lines, which is breaking the fourth wall and just looking directly at us. So much of the movie was actually looking directly at the camera. Um, Lecter more than anybody. And, I mean, talk about unsettling. Now, now, Sean, you you mentioned something I, I have in my notes, too, that I wanted to ask you guys is, do you see this as a horror movie? Because I don't. I know the easy answer is well, it's a suspense, so it's a thriller. It it wasn't scary at all to me, but it was it was creepy enough. And and I think one of the things that made it creepy was Demi's choice to have these characters, especially Hannibal, look directly at us when he's talking. So I I would say that a couple of elements were scary or terrifying. And the first element that I would say is when she's going into that storage locker and she sees that vehicle and she climbs her way into the vehicle and she sees the head that, that, yeah, but that is horror movie magic, right? So you have like a reveal of something scary as a jump scare. So I would say from that element, it is horror from the rest of the movie. It is more suspenseful. It is wondering 
like how she's going to catch Buffalo Bill, whether she's going to catch Buffalo Bill and what what role Hannibal Lecter is going to take in catching Buffalo Bill. And I think that creates a suspenseful or a suspense related movie. So I, I would say it's more suspense than horror. So I, I would say it's more suspenseful than horror. Eddie, go. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I think this movie would be a hit if it came out today because, I, I mean, you look at like the Netflix shows like Making the Murderer, uh, you know, the, the show that's in Wisconsin, I think it's Wisconsin, and it's just like there's so many different shows of like these FBI catching the killers and, you know, the murderers are like some of the like, next door neighbor. So I, I was just like, I looked at this movie and I was like, this is a really good thriller. And it was it was a really good. I didn't see it as a horror movie. I saw it as like a, like a, more of a thriller, a thriller, and also like a suspenseful like suspense, like suspense, like yeah, like a, a more of a suspense Detective movie, like psychological yeah. movie versus yeah. like like it yeah. where it's jump scares and horror. Yeah, there's hardly any parts in this movie that made you like made you jump. Besides like one or two parts of like the. The maybe the what's her name who's captured in the well and yeah. she saw like the nails in the, the wall like it wasn't really a jump scene. but even that's not like a yeah, jump I mean scare. it's a reminder of of a great horror movie that we did a couple of years ago in the Ring um, <laughs> anybody else get that vibe that, was no, that great not at all I mean that's the same yeah, year we did Halloween though so Halloween <laughs> oh was better. shoot we See, need to move on and talk wait, about okay so <laughs> I, the the in the answer to your question Brandon I feel like this has the yeah. same vibe as The Shining where it's this tense psychological uh, uh, feeling that's going to happen and everything like that it showed that you know humans can be monsters in this movie like it's like you can see like the evil of the worlds and whatnot and that is to me can be a more of a horror that has more horror texture than just someone like you know as a slasher movie and whatnot see, Eddie's talking about like um, you know this could have like this true like stories or true crimes crimes what well you know you know, Buffalo Bill is based off of Ed Gain. Ed, Ed, Ed Jin. Ed Jin, sorry. Ed Jin, who is basically the guy who's, like, famous, like, you know, inspired, like, you know, Psycho, uh, Norma Bates, or the, uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, I mean, he would do shit like this where people's, you know, bodies and faces and things like that, man. So I'm going to take it one step forward. I think that this movie was magnificent in its normalization of the serial killer motif, right? So you've got Hannibal Lecter, who basically was a cannibal. He ate people. Hannibal cannibal. Hannibal the cannibal. He ate people, and it was sort of taken for granted how evil he was. And Buffalo Bill was part of his choreography, part of his ensemble. And as you kind of go through the movie... Hannibal is this character who is going to lead you to Buffalo Bill. So he's basically selling out his own kind, his own uh, criteria of killers in order to reduce his sentence. And that's that's really what the story is about, is Hannibal Lecter giving up other people that are of his same ilk in order to achieve some sort of normalcy. And but, while he plays... But, but do you think it's because good, he wants he, to be the best? He fucking plays everyone good because he escapes at the end. His whole concept is that he's going to give information in order to achieve 
something. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I feel like he, I see what you're saying. Like he's doing like this whole chess game, and he's like nine nine moves ahead. He's you know yeah, but it's because he wants to be so just the so best. He wants to be the owners out there. Just so you know, Brandon. What was that, Brandon? The, uh, uh, the 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 cat known as Mrs. Hudson just knocked over your microphone. Just so you know. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> Anyway, listen, here, here's agree. what I'm saying. I get what you're saying, um, but also maybe it's because he wants to be the best. He wants to be the number one. He wants to get rid of any kind of competition, and and Bill is competition. You think they that, you been think able that to catch Bill, Bill is actually in, co- in competition, or is, uh, is he no. just doing whatever he can to become uh, less incarcerated? No, I don't think so. I, I saw I don't think I, so. the way I look at it, it was like Hannibal found a way out, and he was able to see like okay with uh, Clarice, you know, he oh, it's almost like okay, this is a cool way, like maybe I can get moved to another uh, prison, but by doing this at the same time, he kind of found interest. Is like okay, well, like, am I actually enjoying this? Like he's studying, he's always nine moves ahead, like everyone was saying, but at the same time, he's just like okay, well, hold on one second, like I'm kind of finding interest in this story. Like I, I didn't know who you were until like that's why he kept asking like hey no don't give me the the fake way out anymore like I want to know the real reason why you uh, were were uh, like what tell me your bat story I really want to know so, you and so then he got to and then he was just yeah, like okay yeah, no here's uh, what I here's here I agree with you now like here's I'm gonna give you more of a a little bit of a lead. Of what I'm thinking, but I agree with you in some respects. I, I do agree with you in some respect, Eddie. But what I get down to is that Hannibal Lecter knew that he could use the the basically false promise by Scott Glenn's character. What was his name? Crawford. Crawford. Jack Jack Crawford. Jack Crawford and uh, Clarice as a reason to basically use that as leverage against the senator to get a better deal. So it's almost like he was manipulating the people behind the scenes in order to get what he wanted, irrespective of what was going on with Buffalo Bill. And that kind of dichotomy is what makes me question whether or not he wants to be like this master criminal or whether he's just trying to get out of prison or make his prison sentence better. No, I think he was trying to break out of prison. I think he knew that if he could get out of his cell anywhere, any way, he was going to be able to escape because he's smart enough. He outthinks people. I agree with um, you. Yeah. That's ex- it, it was to it was to not, not lessen his sentence. It was to legitimately escape, out. which yeah. he, he did, uh, which is so actually he, one of wait, two wait, problems. Brandon, one Brandon, of, Brandon. Are you yeah, saying yeah, yeah. that yeah, he yeah, used yeah. the offer or the circumstances of his incarceration as a cudgel to escape it got delivered to him and i feel like he's like hey this is what i'm working with and i can work with it so his purpose was always to escape it was never to get a better sentence he he, exactly he found starling and he knew exactly what he was going to be able to do after the situation. So from the first, from the moment Starling came and sat in front of his cell, he thought actually that he could use her to escape. Let's put it this way, Sean. When you first meet Hannibal Lecter as the, the character, you see him just almost awaiting for her, her to come. It was like it was like almost like he knew this was going to happen. That's where I have trouble, right? Because I feel like... 
Clarice coming to him was unexpected. I don't. And so the question, Brandon, he was waiting. He was waiting for. Okay, so he's wait. You think he's waiting for her? He's waiting his next move. He knew that this. It's like almost like he saw this, and he was like almost like welcoming this new opportunity in a way. It kind of brings me back to my original question, which was, um, wait, Eddie, are you? I'm good. Phone died. Oh, your phone died. Yeah. So you can't hear Brandon anymore. It's okay. I'm watching him. Okay. So if he's he's moving his mouth, I'll stop talking. This brings me back to the question that I kind of have originally, which is if brand, or excuse me. (laughs) No, no, no. No, no. If Hannibal Lecter saw that Clarice was his way out, what was his interest in actually answering the questions about Buffalo Bill? So if he was just looking for escape, why would he help Clarice solve the problem of... Buffalo because he knew he could manipulate her. He knew he could manipulate her because she was new and she was fresh and she wanted a win. She knew or he knew that she wanted to um, right promote herself. She That's what he said. You want advancement. So when he sees her, right, and he sees her and he sees that she wants that advancement, she or he knows that she'll do anything. All he had to do was just mention, I want to see trees, Right. And she was going to use that and go out and do that and get him out of that cell for some way. So you're saying that Hannibal Lecter was using Clarice as a reason to Mm -hmm. negotiate or like, uh, like, like explain that more because I I get the impression that Hannibal Lecter was using Clarice as like a, a floating balloon of opportunity rather than anything else. Oh yeah. Well, no, in, in a way. Yeah. But what he sees in her and he, he literally admits this to her is he sees somebody who wants promotion that she'll do anything that she can just to be recognized all. He, and remember, he's the one who said, what do I, what do you, what do I want? I want to be able to see the trees. All that saying is I need to get out of this cell so that I can escape. So that brings me to he, the question, why Clarice? Why did He was waiting Jack until Crawford, somebody like no, Clarice showed on. up and it just but happened to be Clarice. Why did Jack Crawford pick Clarice? Why did Jack Crawford make that an option? It's, and the best thing is, for me at least, he picked her and it worked for two different reasons than from why it worked and why he picked her. He picked her. Hello? Hold on, let's let's pause right now because we have ten percent on Jeremy's phone. Eddie's phone has died. <laughs> Do we have any charges here? All right, Brandon, answer that question about Jack Crawford. So the question on the table is what Jack Crawford uh, was doing when he brought Clary Starling in as the investigator on the Buffalo Bill. Right. So what I think is it actually worked out. Uh, so it worked out either way. Both of them got what they wanted, but it didn't work out the way that Crawford thought it would. Crawford thought he would entice Lecter with this young, beautiful um, woman and that Lecter would just kind of get all weak in the knees and just kind of blurt it out because all he's seen is hard, scrabbled, asshole men. But what Lecter sees is a couple things. He sees a broken woman, a person who uh, he can get in the mind of. But more than anything, it's, he sees it as his opportunity to escape. Because he sees that she is a rookie. Okay. So that she is going to want to get out there. Right yeah. there. So yeah. why, 
why was Crawford exactly, not because, Hannibal? Why was right. Crawford offering Clarice not not well? I what I just told you, but no, you didn't listen because he cr- thought no, no he was thought that clear. Clarice, no, he thought that Clarice would would entice Lecter because she is everything opposite of everything that Lecter has been thrown, which yes. is middle aged men. So yes. she was different. She was different, yeah, and and Crawford ends up winning because of his decision, but he doesn't end up winning for the reason that he thought he would. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of agree with Brandon because, like, Crawford saw, like, maybe he was getting to a point with uh, Hannibal. It was like, hey, we're not moving any forward with him, and we maybe we'd bring some fresh eyes in here just to stir up the pot. Because and there was that scene. It got a little bit more than, I mean, he probably just like, hey, let's just see what you can do. Like, it, so, doesn't, it doesn't hurt. You just throw a woman in there and see. And that's where the whole uh, woman, like, she started getting bad looks from everyone. Like, oh, my God. Like, she's going to be here. But she's way more qualified than almost everyone. Well, you saw her, like, you know, being hit on and just but by. she played professional. You know, like, she was, you know, she was in. It was almost kind of like a man-dominant world that she was in and everything like that. She was so, by herself. Yeah. you know. I'm she- going to pick up on Jeremy, what Jeremy's saying. But basically, when she was at the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the mortuary. Mortuary scene. Yeah. Where Scott Glenn, a.k.a. Jack Crawford, was basically saying, we need to talk about this privately in order to talk about the sexual nature of the crime you got this sense that she was being excluded because she was a woman. Yeah. And then later in the car, Jack Crawford was like, you know, I was just doing that because we were trying to get them out of it, the local police out of it. And, and she said quite truly that you are the responsible party. You are the one who's everyone's looking to. And so when you treat women like that, it is the way they're going to treat women. And I think that was a very interesting dichotomy between men and women in this industry, in the, in the, uh, in the FBI, like the way that women were treated, it almost was like Scott Glenn was not intentionally trying to keep women down, but at the same time, he his actions were doing that, Crawford. even though, uh, yeah, yeah, Crawford was doing that, even though he didn't want to do that. And it worked in the past. And and Clarice kind of said he called, she called him on it, and she was like, no, 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 women we can do the same thing and it's up to you to set an example and that she, he wasn't setting that example properly. Did anyone yeah. else get that concept or is that absolutely? Different? Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, I think you got it right there. I mean, you see um, a lot of film, you see a lot of scenes where it's just like, she's surrounded by just nothing but men looking at her, glaring, glaring at her, at her like, you know, yeah. I mean the doctor, what, what's the doctor's, the psychiatrist, Chilton, Chilton, Chilton. She, like hits on her right off the bat. She goes into a, a museum and she gets hit on right off the bat. You know, it's just like, but this is the brilliance of, of Jonathan Demi. This is, yes, this is right. the brilliance of Jonathan Demi in this movie because he has these characters breaking that fourth wall, staring directly at the camera so that in that minute, or that second, we become Clarice. We feel perfect, everybody dude. staring yeah, at us. Perfect. So, I think you're be high five. So right perfect right now. Yeah, I want I mean, you high, high five, five high from uh, across the high across five. the crunch. I will say this though, for 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 the script or <clears throat> the story, you have 
Hannibal Lecter going from his very institutionalized cell with block walls and glass. I feel like he was moving from where he should have been, a institutionalized cell, to a more political atmosphere because the senator was involved, right? So Well, no, yeah, but you have you have literally all the the media attention, you had Chilton being interviewed, right? It has become sensationalized. And I think you're right. The the fact that it was in the middle of, of a I don't know a courtroom or or something. Huge. It was political. Like you saw the bunting. For like sure. It was it was yeah, more like city hall. Yeah, it was like yeah. yeah yeah. I love the fact that Chilton actually did the one thing that he was not supposed to do is to bring some type of like object into uh, Hector's uh, uh, cell, and that was the pen. Yeah, let's let's cell. talk though about how did he actually get the pen? Like that pisses me off. No, That's Hannibal it. Hannibal got the pen from Chilton. Because no, 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 there was a did, scene but... where Chilton looked for a pen to sign a document and realized oh, no, he didn't I, have I know, his pen. But, but, so but when Chilton he wants to know how pen. he did that. Yeah, you know, when he left it, the pen, it, it, he it was all showed. caged. He was up. caged up, and because, he kept looking at the because Chilton pen. was so wrapped up in the emotion of trying to become yeah, the, uh, uh, the, the guy, the, the psychologist, the guy. psychiatrist who brought. The Buffalo, Bill the, the Buffalo Bill in that he was so emotionally involved that he yeah. arrogantly yeah. presented a yeah. pen to Hannibal Lecter and almost, Hannibal Lecter took the pen. He was really put out that the FBI went to Clarice then himself because he was guarding Hannibal when he was also a doctor. It was his trophy, yeah. It was his trophy. But I, I still didn't understand how Hannibal got the pen because Hannibal... Exactly. Was, me too. Yeah, well, Hannibal we don't see it. I don't even think Hannibal ever no, got the pen. Yeah. Hannibal means, got the pen. I think it was a scene where... a little bit of where, lazy... No, it is. Filmmaking. I agree with you. But I think Chilton was, it was in the scene where Chilton was basically demanding the name of Buffalo Bill from Hannibal. I think it was that yeah. relationship, that, that, that conversation that led to Hannibal getting the pen. I don't think it's a, a lazy filming. It actually focuses on the pen as you see Chilton leaving and you know for a fact in your mind, like, he's going to get that fucking pen. So, you don't know how he's going to do it, I, but you know that he, this is the reason why they give these rules that this guy is able get to get pen. out. He got, like, a piece of the pen, right? Exactly, like, yeah. yeah. I don't want to say it was lazy filmmaking, but I do think that it would have been less sub, subtextual. Is that subtextual, the right word? Subtextual, yeah. Subtextual yeah. if it was made today. And this is my biggest issue with the movie is that I think that a lot of things would have been more explained if it was a movie that was made today versus a movie that was made in 1981 or 91. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. I think that it would have been more overt because there was a couple of scenes, like even at the beginning where you really didn't know what was going on. You didn't really know that Buffalo Bill was the one they were chasing. And it was, it was con- confused. Oh, I feel like it, it, it left breadcrumbs, you know. I don't know if you're supposed to watch it or know it, what's going on, but it literally shows, like, the very first minute when you see Starling, she's looking, like, behind all this information, and you see something like Buffalo Bill, Bill Skins Fifth, you know, that you know exactly what's going on here, that there is a serial killer out there that they're looking into. But it's not but we do. We need, we, need to talk, we need to talk about Bill, though. We need to talk about Ted Levine. Oh. Freaking amazing. He Let's was fabulous. Pour, pour one out for uh, there him. is yeah. no better crazy person. So uh, it's so funny because when Eddie got here this evening, I was watching a show called Monk where Ted Levine. Of course plays, you were. No, of course I was. But yeah. Ted Levine plays like the uh, chief of police. 
So he is like the authoritarian. How do you how do you say it? Like the uh, he's the, the, he's the, the straight guy, the supervisor yeah. of Monk. That's so and crazy to see him. Something. It like was that. so funny because he's he's a straightforward like by the book character in this in Monk, but not in in Silence of the Lambs. He was like this flamboyant, beautiful serial killer it was just such a cool way to see him differently it's so crazy yeah. when you think about the science of lambs like you know everyone thinks that oh it's hannibal lecter but no it's buffalo bill that's actually you know the the scariest person in this movie you know what he's doing and everything like that see and i keep dragging it back to red dragon which is my favorite entry into the hannibal lecter chronology or whatever you want to call it is that you had ray fines as um, uh, the villain or the Buffalo Bill character, and he was so good. He was so phenomenal. You ever see Red Dragon? I've seen Red Dragon. It just for some reason it doesn't hold too much of a. Um, it doesn't really hold up as much as the first sentence. Oh, uh, I mean, the sounds of the I like I, I like Red I will, Dragon far superior to to sounds. Well, I will. Like I will get back to you. Right. I will get back to you on my thoughts because I am now going to commit myself to watching all of these movies. I so agree. I've never watched. Silence so Silence my problem with Silence of the Lambs is that Clarice is boring. At the end of the day, Clarice is a boring character. She is not intriguing like Will Graham and Anthony Hopkins is in both. Anthony Hopkins is fantastic in both, but you've got this cat and mouse the same type of movie in red dragon that you do in in uh sons of lambs and i think edward norton does a better job of humanizing the investigator than jodie foster did and that's kind of my issue is that clarice starling is kind of boring she doesn't have this depth of character that i think that if the movie was made today you would have the depth of of Clarice Starling. I have to disagree with you on that, Sean. I think you see a lot of depth in her character, this redemption that she's trying to find in herself. You know, this whole thing where, like, finally when Dr. Lecter, like, you know, finally gets to her, like, what drives you? What makes you you? And she gives you the whole story about the sons of the lambs, the lambs and everything like that, you know? How she tried to rescue something, but what she rescued, the lamb, it didn't matter because it was just drawn to actually... It died anyway. It died anyway. Yeah. And that her whole situation was is trying to find this woman almost kind of like, you know, it, it kind of it was like almost a redemption thing for her to actually get to find this girl at the end of the movie and everything like that. So and you see her character, you know, being kind of like, you know, looked at differently, be able to actually outsmart the whole department and actually but, find. But, but that's, the, that's the problem I have with the movie is that she didn't outsmart anyone. They were, so one of the greatest scenes of the movie is when the bell is ringing, right? So Buffalo oh, yeah. Bill is down in the bowels of his evil layer. That's and, one of the best scenes. Actually. And the bell yeah. rings. Right. And so you have Jack Crawford, you have uh, Sam Elliott. He's going to find Buffalo bill in the place that he thinks he is. And the bell rings. And when he, when Buffalo bill actually comes to the door, it's not Scott Glenn. It's Clarice. So it's Jodie Foster. Yeah, everyone but thought then Jodie Foster as the scene progresses, figures out that Buffalo Bill is actually the murderer. Great scene. Right? So he, she sees the buff, the butterfly. She the, sees uh, that the, he is kind of like the, the thread. Right. Yeah. There's this, like the realization that, that Buffalo Bill is who she's looking for. See, but the thing is, is that he was able, she was able to actually understand what, what uh Hannibal Lecter was providing her information 
better than the rest of the, no, H- the FBI no. department. But Scott Glenn said, look into his past, like try to get, we don't want to get him for kidnapping. We don't want to get him. We don't want to catch him for kidnapping the Senator's daughter or whoever that was, but we want to get him for the murders. So she was going back to the original victim the first victim. and say the, the first victim first, and yeah. saying let's start from the beginning let's attack it from okay so uh, Tibbet or Talbot I can't remember the name but there was a seamstress or like a like a dressmaker that so are we saying that that was that was his yeah. his mom was a seamstress I, I, that's what I got from it was that her his mom was the seamstress that made dresses for the original victim that's that's what I kind of got but she was yeah. able to figure that out better. No, she was she was great but, in figuring that yeah, out. Yeah, but, but when I'm saying, go she ahead. walked into that house and realized that Buffalo Bill was indeed the person she was looking at. So she was so, I, so she was able to actually figure this one out better than the FBI. No, I don't think it was better. I think it was almost like in she conjunction was with, up on secondary leads, and that she, was she doing her job. happened upon yeah. the villain. As opposed to what Jack Crawford was oh. doing, where he thought he was getting. The, I, I the feel like I have to disagree so, with you guys, but yeah, I mean, I see what you guys yeah, are saying. No, yeah, no, I got. I got to I mean, ask. She a really thought. Question. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah. So my question is, okay, so he's making this uh, this suit of women, which, I, by the way, the fact that we just get that quick glimpse of it was perfect. I will say um, this: that the the concept of him sewing skins together to make a woman. Oh, we lost Brandon. Nope, we're here. Right. So you've got this wonderful, I mean, slash horrible concept of a serial killer making a suit out of women. He wanted to be right? a female. So women's skins. Like, I want to one that would and fit something him. with both of our skins. Uh, one that would fit him, though. He wants one that fits him. He wants him. one that fits him, right? So, size 14. Yes. So he's getting <laughs> bigger women to create this suit. And Which that, is where my... Yeah, but, but that that's where my question comes in. Why doesn't he just take more skin and uh, you know kill three chubbies? And <laughs> I'm done with you. And at that point, you just go ahead and say, "I'm going to stitch these guys together." Less and, chubbies. Uh, boom. Okay, less no chubbies. more chubbies. That's what he's saying. He more chubbies. Less, like he wants less chubbies. No, he's saying more saying. chubbies. Brandon is suggesting that you less. basically yeah. take more chubbies. No, no, take, I'm taking less. Well, less that. No, that no, means that he why, has why, to like he's you know only taking he, little parts from each woman. Woman, Brandon, I don't think you can take that much skin <laughs> from a human being. You guys are like so over analyzing <laughs> this fucking part right here, a, a guys. A human being is covered in skin. Shauna <laughs> Brandon, let me just talk to one of you. Have you guys done this before? Since we, yeah, we, I mean, like, have you guys, I'm, I'm kind of worried, Brandon. Like, since you've like, are you we know, still talking about tucking it in? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I'm no. kind of worried about you, Brandon, because I feel like you're like across like the U.S. now and everything like that, and like <laughs> we don't even know who you are anymore. Listen, I'm just saying. I mean, this saying, does take I'm... place in like you know, like in the East Coast, by the way, the story. So, <laughs> so anyway, my my point of this is, you've got a character in Buffalo Bill that is creating a suit of women, and he's taking the skin off of his victims and making like a coat, right? I mean, yeah. that's the yeah. whole concept of the movie. Yeah. And that Clarice stumbled upon him. She didn't like, I mean, she deductively got to where he lived. Not because- necessarily. She looked back at the profile and he left a clue 
in the map. And that's where Hannibal's like, hey, does this map look any... Like, it's almost too... It's too so unprojectable. There's a show Which on one on this the, map right. doesn't look right? There's a show on, uh, I want to say it was like CBS called Numbers. It was fantastic. And it was a show that suggested in its first episode that the randomness of where somebody was trying to put things is not necessarily random. So random is like things are close together. They're weird. And he and Hannibal Lecter basically suggested that it was almost like too random. It was too spread out to suggest that it was actually random. No, what what I think what you're trying to say is that she is a capable FBI agent. She's there's nothing special about her. You guys got to remember, dude. She's not even an FBI agent. She's no, a no. fucking what I'm, student. What I'm you saying know? is that she's not special though at all. She lucked into this. No, I think she she is special. She looked at the the details better than all the other. FBI That's agents. true okay. because if you Perhaps. watch and the the escape scene. Hannibal Lecter leaves clues about who Buffalo Bill is and everything right, like that. Right, through his anagrams and all that. And no, I'm uh, talking about, yeah, well, anagrams, but, like, you know, how he uh, he pinned up the, the one of the police officers and, like, you know, made him look like a butterfly and whatnot. How he actually escaped by taking someone else's mask, face, skin. He left all this breadcrumbs for so I will uh, say Starling that, to figure this one out. That was the creepiest moment of the movie where he took someone's face off and put it on his own. Did you guys face. expect that? Did you guys Oh my Brandon. god, John Travolta. Well, no. Brandon, you've never Nick seen Cage. this movie, right? Did was you see also, that? Did you expect that? I, I I I listen, there were unfortunately parts that I I have seen. Uh I saw the filleted cop of fish uh in Jesus pose. That was badass. Have seen that one. And I did see the face off. Um so that one, yeah. It, uh, I, I, the whole movie was surprising to me because I didn't necessarily love it. Like this was not my top 10 movies of all time. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, I thought this movie was kind of fresh and new and different. And you had this serial killer who in Hannibal Lecter, who was willing to do basically anything to escape because that whole escape from the, whatever you yeah. want to call it, the political arena or whatever, where he was in that cage in the middle of the room where he willed himself out essentially on a gurney, like to the hospital that was faking a seizure and everything. Yes. Yeah. It was ingenious. And that was a cool way to escape the place. What I didn't necessarily care for was when he basically taunted Clarice and said, okay, I'm going to have a friend for dinner. And he's obviously talking about Dr. Chilton and that felt unfinished to me. It felt like it was oh, revving for a sequel. Love it. I think that it was oh, actually perfect. Cause you know okay. why? Because in the end, like kind of like Empire Strikes Back, we were talking about, you know, weeks and weeks ago, like the bad guy won at the end of it. That's the thing that bothered me is that the villain won. <laughs> There's the difference between us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but that's, but imagine that like, you don't like, Seeing something like this in the '90s, where you've never seen something like this before, and I think this movie seriously kicked, like, started a whole generation of movies like. The villain this, could man. also be good, but also bad. Like the villain could play both sides. Like the this villain was able to play both sides and be like, "Hey, I can help you solve this mystery," but at the same time, I'm gonna also have a benefit yeah. for myself. So and- Hannibal was a a legit two decades. 
So, when was this movie? This movie was made in 1991, and then the sequel was 2001. So, is that 10 years? 10 years. Okay. So, literally a decade after Silence of the Lambs came Hannibal, and Hannibal was a travesty. So, I'm looking at Hannibal right now, and David Mamet wrote the screenplay. So I'm saying so, David Mamet is not as great as everybody wants to make him out to be. And Ooh, Red Dragon. Shots fired. The throwing shade. There it is. I like it. Red Dragon, oh. to me, is such a much better movie. It's not even Well, guess what, Sean? We're looking at this movie. So I have one more question before <laughs> we wrap it up. Okay. He's uh, going to watch Red Dragon, and he's going to be like, ah, I it's will, okay. I will, man. Yeah, no, seriously. I'll, I'll get no, back to you. You need to watch um, Red Dragon, because Red Dragon uh, okay. is amazing. Shut up, Ed. So listen, I do have one question. Uh, Why are you bringing Ed into this? Say shit. He didn't even say shit. <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Listen, did it did it piss anybody else off? Because um, at the end, right? So you got Wild Bill. He's got Clarice. He's using his night goggles. Genius, perfect. And he, it's just like, why have him wait and want to touch her hair? And I mean, it was just begging to to have him. You know, he was. Look- uh, I want to say what I felt like it was he was just so like wanting to have what Clarice was having. So but, was but that's a good beauty. point. Yeah. Hannibal said something yeah. at the uh, Hannibal Lecter said something at the beginning of the movie like probably 20 minutes in that said Buffalo Bill is not a real transvestite. He's not actually a transitioning man but rather something else entirely he's more of a a a tormented man who a man who hates himself so it's almost like that scene at the end when he's reaching for her hair when he's he he, it's it's not necessarily that he wanted to kill clarice that he wanted to almost become clarice so i think that that worked well guys can you hear me i can't hear anything you can't hear hear you can hear me right from what my voice talking to you? Yeah, I mean, I can Okay. <laughs> can you hear us? I mean, like from my ears to you? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, my God. And that brings us to the end of our review. Now it's time in the podcast where each of the hosts provides his score on the following scale. Eddie, can you please provide the following scale? All right, all right. We're going to start with uh, Zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel-good first cocktail. Two, you're gonna a uh, happy buzz. Three, you're gonna Uber home. Uh, is that two or three? It's four. It's four. These numbers are starting to be a little blurry. I'm I'm just a little bit drunk. Okay, start over. Start over. This is gonna be the worst edited episode. Zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a feel-good first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, you're gonna Uber home. Four, rough morning walk of shame. Five, blackout shit face spring break drunk. Gentlemen, let's start with. I'll go first, Sean. Okay, so I thought this movie was a very good movie. Don't get me wrong; I think that Anthony Hopkins was probably fantastic uh, in his portrayal of Hannibal Lecter. I think Jodie Foster was lacking in the, in the Clarice in that she did not have the development that I was hoping for, and that's uh, we we talk about all in this podcast all the time about character development and story development. I think the story was fantastic. I think the character of Clarice had not developed in the way that it should develop. Uh, I thought she was boring. I thought she was kind of slow. I thought she was kind of drawn out. And I thought Hannibal Lecter was probably one of the most dynamic characters ever to be seen on screen. I think Anthony Hopkins was just fabulous. So that alone brings my score up. But the movie in and of itself, I thought, was kind of disjointed, kind of didn't know what it wanted to be. And for that, 
I give it a 1.5. I give it a, a feel good first cocktail with an extra shot. And that so my score on this movie is a 1.5. I think it was a fantastic portrayal by Anthony Hopkins. I think it was a a really good story that was hindered slightly by Clarice Starling's inept approach to uh, policing. And that's just personal opinion brandon all right so this movie is a movie that i came in uh having heard about having wanted to see for years and years and years and just never got around to it um i think for me i'm not a huge fan of horror films so not that i didn't want to watch this because it was a quote-unquote horror film um but i did go into it with this kind of expectation of what to what was going to happen um and i was let down on that expectation just because it wasn't to be a scary film it was a thriller i guess it was suspenseful, I guess, you know, for two scenes. But that being said, what I got instead was a really developed story. Um, Sean, I know that you're saying that, that Clarice is not a developed character, but I disagree. I think that she is a character who is coming into her own, and we could experience that for two hours. Um, I have always thought highly of Anthony Hopkins, but after seeing this movie, I literally changed my opinion completely and think that he's one of the very, 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 very best um he was creepy he was um he was fascinating we just couldn't not watch him and not like hold on to every single word he says and um i think that jonathan demi just outdid himself with this film um i'm happy with this movie uh to me is it a top 10 movie ever no does it have problems yes it does but to me this is a movie that really has stood up the test of time and um, for me, it is a feel-good first cocktail with a shot and just a little spillover. So I'm going to go with a 1.75, um, and that is going to be my score for The Lambs. Jeremiah, what do you think? Um, I believe that Sons of the Lambs broke through and helped redefine the 90s cinema. I think it elevated mainstream horror to a whole nother level. I think it showcased a culture impact for years to come regarding to what the vibe is and everything like that. I think it has legendary performances by all the actors. Sir Anthony Hopkins gave us, if not one of the best villains of all time. And I think Jodie Foster as Starling, I mean, I think she created one of the most, most loved female heroines and possibly one of the best all-time great movie heroines for what we have here. I mean... There's a reason why we have more, you know, detective movies, you know, that's based off of like, you know, a female driven characters and things like that. Someone said this best. The movie showed us that monsters could be humans and humans could be monsters. The movie will still haunt you for many years to come and will never let you go. And I think that says something right there. So I'm with both Brandon and Sean. I think seriously, I'm going to have a first good cocktail with a uh, add a shot to it, so it's gonna be a 1.5. So I'm gonna have you know a nice Chianti with some fava beans with it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Eddie. What do you think? Uh, so I thought this movie was uh, definitely hit. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, it was scary, but you know, good scary. It was. It, it didn't hold the like. What I I didn't understand why my mom didn't let me see this when I was you know younger, but maybe I understand you know, her reasonings. Uh, this movie definitely is a classic. I also uh, enjoyed watching this movie with Jodie Foster and seeing a young Jodie Foster and see how she was able to just hold the camera. And like in the very end of the scene, I, I want to say I probably watched that last 25 minutes, probably about like 30 different times. So I just wanted to see every different part of it. I really enjoyed how she was able to, you saw like almost 
uh, FBI agent become from uh, a rookie to becoming the uh, instantly realizing that she has the main killer in front of her face and that she's by herself and she had to like handle business. It was really cool to see. Um, almost for some reason I got I. This was like a high-end version of Blacklist with like Hannibal Lecter trying to get out. And uh, if you ever watched the, the show Blacklist, um, like with that uh, character uh, trying to get out of ho- being a hostage and just at the same time helping the FBI uh, solve crimes, it, it just like it was like a better version of this uh, of that show. Uh, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, that I always try to tell everyone that this is like a. This will probably, if this movie was released today, it'd probably be a really big hit, um, bigger than it was then, even though it won the Oscar. Uh, I thought this movie was almost ahead of its time a little bit. Yeah. Um, and but overall, I give it. Uh, I was. I think I give it the same as Brandon, the one point seven five. So when we combine the scores and divide by four, this gives Sons of Lambs of the average of what, Sean? So one point six two five. 1.625 puts us on uh, uh, even par with Big Fish, par, uh, I'm sorry, 1.625, Psycho, Galaxy Quest, and that's it. So 1.625 puts us tied with uh, Psycho and Galaxy Quest in the 13 spot. Uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker is 1.375 better than uh 1.5 is big fish and pirates of the caribbean that's better than and less than is the sting and deadpool at 1.75 so i think so that, I mean, it's kind of kind of weird sean that it's right next to psycho yeah it's tied in the 13 <laughs> spot i mean at the end of the day it's tied in the 13 spot yep. i mean it's like the same serial killer in a way is actually the the, the same movies it's kind of creepy right it's kinda <laughs> creepy dude <laughs> So thirteen, wow. it's thirteenth on our list of of all time, and I think this is a, a proper spot for us. So, Silence of the Lambs cool, is one man. of those movies that I think that it, it transcends the generations. It really becomes uh, a creepy entry into our list. Thirteenth uh, is a good place for it. Unlucky number thirteen. Unlucky number thirteen. <laughs> well, if you enjoyed our podcast yeah. or well, a fan, I think we lost Brandon. Oh, huh, well, connectivity. We, if you enjoyed our review or a fan of the podcast, we use, we ask that you please subscribe wherever you're listening and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find us on Instagram at thegentlemanpodcast.com, at thegentlemanpodcast.com. You can visit our website at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Or if you want, you can reach to us uh, at hosts with an S, hosts with an S, at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Uh, I really appreciate everyone listening, as do we all. And we will see you in two weeks, gentlemen. And <laughs> Jeremiah, you're gonna have a shit ton editing to do on this Fantastic. podcast. Fantastic. I can't wait. I'm gonna lock myself in a cabin and lock I would like to wish you all adieu and uh have some liver with fava beans and, and a nice, nice Chianti. Chianti. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. No, it might turn out pretty well, but fuck, we lost everyone. We lost our computers, we lost our fucking phones, we lost Brandon.
It's, it's Eddie. Eddie. Calm down. It's Eddie. Eddie. Eddie's, Eddie's the problem. problem. I'm not the problem. Problem? It literally is always Eddie. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Two other phones have died. Hold on. And a laptop. Are we, Are we good? good? Give me one second, guys.